there's proof everywhere that it look, it's good to be prepared, but if you take action, regardless of your skill level, your experience, you know, whatever, like if you swing every single time, you're going to hit the ball a lot more. Welcome to the No Excuse Pro Podcast, your weekly dose of motivation and actionable advice. If you're a realtor, financial planner, business owner, or anyone who's tired of making excuses and ready to take your success to the next level, you've come to the right place. Join your host, Kevin Briarton, each week as he chats with industry leaders who are going beyond the excuses to achieve their goals. So no excuses accepted. Let's get started. Hey, Mark, thanks so much for joining me. Um, one yeah. of the reasons why I wanted to start doing these podcasts was because I truly believe that there has been too much for too long of like people building out dream boards and building out these things that they want in life, but then running into excuses and not obtaining it. Um, I think excuses go into different directions. Um, what I've found over the years is that people may have excuses, whether they are not doing well at work, but also sometimes they do really well at work, but they don't do well in their family life. I believe that we, when we talk about no excuses, I think it's no excuse at work, but also no excuse based on your financials, also based on being a dad and a father. Um, you want to have no excuses all around. And I, I've known you now for, I don't know, close to what, man, six, seven years now. Seven years, yeah. And I I believe, you know, watching you over the years that you do an awesome job on running a great mortgage business, being a vice president and president of a region as well. And as I've seen you over the years, I feel like what you do is kind of effortless. And so I wanted to bring you on because I really do mean that. You do a great job. You have so many things that are going on. But when I talk to you, every time I talk to you, it's like, you're here with me, you're present, you're looking at me. like. And so I really feel that way. And that's why I want to have you on. So tell me a little bit about like what led you to do what you do. I know you're in the mortgage business, but just tell me just a little bit more about what you do. Man, first of all, thank you, Kevin. Um, I I, uh, I really appreciate it. I'm honored to be here. I admire you and and what you've done with your career too. It, it's been um, it's been fun, you know, being able to work um, with and alongside you for a couple of different parts of my career. And so, uh, just wanted to say thanks, man. I'm I'm happy to be here. And then. Um, Getting into the mortgage business, uh, you know, I I I was appraising real estate on the side of a of a budding acting career. I moved to LA because I got representation uh, to be an actor, and I was doing some commercial acting and modeling. And I um, I went to school for business. You know, acting was was not something I was pursuing. I wasn't one of those guys who was like, oh, I'm going to be an actor someday, and I'm going to move to LA. It was just never in the card for me. It just Kind of got lucky and walked through the doors that um, got opened, if you will, um, and and so that's what took me to LA. I was interested in real estate, and and at that time you could you could get an appraisal license online. Um, so I got my appraisal license online, and I started appraising real estate, and I started turning these appraisals around next day. Um, you know, for for a mortgage um, a, a mortgage guy, and he called me one day and said, "Hey, you know." I've, I've been ordering appraisals from this shop for a long time. I've never gotten my appraisals next day over and over and over again. And you're in the wrong business. I want you to come work for me. And that's how I got exposed to the mortgage business it was completely by fluke. It wasn't anything, you know, that I tracked down. 
Um, but little did I know at that time that it would be a career that, you know, really blessed me so much and, uh, you know, that I, I would be able to build a life, um, you know, that I, I quite frankly never dreamed um, of a life uh, this amazing. Um, and so I really owe a lot to this business and, and to the community um, that I feel has, has really blessed me through this business. So this business is tough, man. I know you've probably had to overcome some fears. So what do you think the biggest fear is that you've had to overcome in this journey? Man, you know, I think it's a it's a constant fear of failure even today. You know, I I, I chuckle to myself when you're like, hey, you make this look effortless because, um, you know, early on in your career, you're just fear of rejection and fear of, um, you know, not being enough. Um, and as you start to build, uh, you know, you start to get fearful of losing it all. You know, I will wake up every single day and it's like, man, you know, am I, am I still as good as I was, as I was yesterday? And, you know, I talk to the most successful people and the ones that I think are really honest with me, they have some of those, you know, those, those kinds of feelings. And so, you know, I think my, my fear really is just losing confidence in myself and, and who I am. And, and I think whenever I really think about it and I really get centered, that's not really a fear. Um, but, you know, every single day showing up and being the best version of myself, it, it's really difficult to do when you've got that negative voice inside of you in a market that right now as we're recording this, you know, December 20th of, of 2023, this has been a really humbling year, you know, um, it, it has resulted, you know, the results of this year are far different than I ever thought that I would be at, at this stage in my career. And so, you know, that invokes a lot of insecurities. It makes you just start to wonder, man, am I as good as I thought that I was? Um, and, and so I think the more you pay attention to that negative voice, um, instead of seeing this as, Hey, you know, we've got to grind through this, but this is just like the successful years. This year is also going to pass. And this is just, you know, the environment that we're in right now. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't know how to encapsulate that into what's my biggest fear, but those are are constant, you know, fear voices that I'm I'm dealing with, Kev, where, you know, if I'm if I'm being straight with you, you know, I, I have those struggles, right? So how do you, so dealing with some of those fears, like the tough road that we talked about, how do you like, is there something that you do to stay focused and moving forward doing, during these times? Yeah. You know, um, I take really good care of myself. You know, when I find myself uh, getting off track, um, it used to be weeks and weeks and months and months that I would let myself, you know, kind of fall off and these days I'm just more accountable to myself and, and I'm, you know, I'll have a pity party for a day or two, but then like I'm, I'm on the treadmill at 5.00 AM the next morning with a great podcast in my ear. And, you know, right after that I'm meditating and then I'm, you know, drinking a bunch of water. I'm, you know, I'm doing what I can to interrupt and, and take action. Right. Because and when you get in those moments where you're letting fear take the bus, take the wheel, most of the time you're not engaged in the activities and taking action. You're making excuses, right? The 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 title of your podcast, what I do if I'm carrying a bunch of shame around and I don't like the way I'm showing up, I'm not taking the action that I need to take. Like something is prohibiting me from taking that action. And I was listening to a podcast uh, by Mel Robbins on confidence. 
where she talks about confidence not being an emotion, not a feeling that you're feeling. Like Kevin's not confident because he feels confident, but confidence is is literally your willingness to try something. So if we distill that down even lower, it's your ability to take action, right? To pick up the phone yeah. and make the calls that you know you're you're gonna make. And and do you have the courage to do those things? Because if you do, that's what's gonna invoke that confidence. And so the lack of that is is when you get into those ruts. And so I have really heightened my my game around that. This year I did 75 hard, which was 75 days of you know, two workouts a day, reading 10 pages in a book, drinking a gallon of water, sticking to a diet, no alcohol, uh, you know, being accountable um, to. And I told my wife that we should do that. And she's like, yeah, I looked at it. If you missed a day, you have to start over. And like, then I, after we talked about it, one of her friends was doing it. He's out in California. I'm like, we should do it. And then like the next week I got COVID, which wasn't horrible, but I got a little sick. And then it, so I, it's, it's on my list to do, I gotta, if I'm going to do it, I got to commit to it. So I applaud you when you talked about it. I didn't really know all of what it was, you know, and uh, right now I feel like my business life has been 75 hard anyways. So I'm like, okay, do I throw that on top of it? So I don't know, man, it's uh it's a tough one, but I, that's a good way to shake you up. So what I heard though, is you're interrupting something going on that's maybe negative in your negative voice and you're interrupting it with something whether it's you know workout or meditation or you know something that you can say no I'm I'm in control here and then even if you have to manufacture your confidence a little bit to start then manufacture it get it going because it will come in line at some point because even if nobody out there no professional out there was confident always confident no matter what now you can see some people that act like they are, or you see, oh, they're on in control of everything, but there's always something going on behind the scenes, you know? And so what I found is I, I, um, I think that's common where people, you got to get started with the action and get it going. And then you're like, okay, I got to go. I got it going. I got just like, I ran some marathons and, you know, I always say the first 15 minutes was like the hardest, but once I started doing that, I was just like, all right, I'm going, I'm going, I'm running. So it's uh, that's a big takeaway. I think that's important um, that people need to get going, even if it per isn't perfect. I think one of the biggest challenges that people have, even if they're super smart, they could be amazing at what they do, but if they're perfectionist, they're never going to go. I see you have a guitar on the back of your wall. And I think that, you know, when I think of music, I get all worried that I'm not going to be perfect at it. So I just never started. Well, that's, that's not a good way to do it, right? So I never learned how to do it because I didn't want to, mess up at it. And I've learned that I cannot be a perfectionist to, to accomplish what I want to accomplish in life. What do you think around like perfection? What have you seen around people being trying to get everything perfect before they get started? I think it's a trap, you know, and, and I think a lot of the reason people want to be perfect before they get started is fear, you know, and taking your, your guitar analogy, like if, if you, um, if you weren't scared of what people thought or what you thought of yourself, like you'd pick up that guitar and, and start noodling away. Right. And, and I think you go into any real estate office, um, you know, and you have a bunch of realtors, you'll have a young realtor who will just get after it and get busy and will be successful. And you'll have a realtor in that same office with the same tools and 10 years experience on that person. And for some reason, 
won't sell as many houses, right? And so there's proof everywhere that, it, look, it's good to be prepared, but if you take action, regardless of your skill level, your experience, you know, whatever, like if you swing every single time, you're going to hit the ball a lot more uh, than people who aren't swinging, right? And so I think, um, you know, you you got to find a really good balance, but almost always taking action and taking it quick. And so going back to what I said, you know, when I'm in a funk and I have those fears and how do I stay forward? I take action. I'm like, okay, tomorrow is a new day. And the number one, the first thing I'm going to do is not hit the snooze button. And then if I don't hit the snooze button, it's like, okay, victory. Second thing I'm doing, I'm getting on that treadmill, right? Cause it's, it's, I usually wake up when it's still dark outside and like, it's easy. It's mindless. I can get on the treadmill. Third thing I'm putting a podcast in. So if I hit those three things, my day is already exponentially better. It's not about like what I'm going to do at work. It's about, okay, I feel a thousand times better because I just took those actions in the morning and that will translate, you know, in, into work. And so bringing that back to not being a perfectionist, it's the law of diminishing uh, intent. You know, you go to a, a seminar, you're pumped up on the things that you're going to do. You come back, you practice them, you practice them, you practice them. But by the 15th time you practice them, a week has gone by. And now you don't have the motivation that you had that burning desire when you left the conference. You'd be a lot better to pick up the phone and practice right at the conference on, on that, you know, on that thing that you're going to do and just get that first one out of the way. Just take the first action and then tweak it like, oh man, I could have done this better, that better. You know, Jocko Willink says debrief after every mission. Well, if you just have a mission, you put it out there like, man, I'm going to practice on, on Kevin. You know, I'm going to call Kevin. I'm going to do this thing. Oh, you know, you could have done this better, that better. Cool. Debrief. Now I'm going to call, you know, my, uh, uh, you know, perhaps someone with not quite high stakes. I'm going to practice there. I'm going to debrief after that. Now you're, you're getting both things at the same time. You're building that experience and that polish, but you're also, you're, you're working against the law of diminishing intent, which says the more time that goes by, the less likely you are to do something. And so I think you have to strike while the iron's hot, even if it's not completely perfect. And that's going to yield you more results over time than wait until it's all perfect and you have it dialed in to, to let it go, you know? Yeah, I think that's an awesome takeaway there for, you know, especially for um, salespeople and realtors. A lot of times we go to these seminars, get all pumped up, and then you write a ton of things down. I've, I've really actually, when I go to these now, I try to implement something, either anywhere from one to five things while I'm at the actual event. Because I'm sitting here going, I'm at the event. Usually you're sitting there taking notes anyways. You could get something done right away, whether it's sending a text, sending a video, making a phone call, stepping out. Do it right away and then get that, that motion going. And so I want to ask you, I mean, you have, you've talked to thousands of people over the years. And I know you manage um, you know, a lot of salespeople as well. But this question can go either for salespeople or clients that you're helping with lending. What is the one thing that people ask your help for? Like, what is the main thing, the one thing that people come to you and ask for help for? Yep. First of all, I apologize. They're, I'm, they're working on my roof. So if you hear banging in the background, that's what's going on. Um, you know, I think the main thing that people come to me for initially is, hey, how do you do it? Like, tell me exactly what you've done to build the business that you've got. And what they're really saying is like, I, I, I want those things, right? And they just want an exact rule book. Tell me exactly what to say. 
tell me exactly what this email says. When do I send it? Like, you know, just the exact um, blueprint. And, and they just want to know like, what is the magic pill? And, you know, as you start to work with someone and you tell them exactly, you know, what happened, then they find out that what I exactly do is out of integrity for what Kevin Bryant, uh, what Kevin Bryerton needs to exactly do. Like what's really great for me, you might be like, ah, eh, that just doesn't feel right. And if it just doesn't feel right and you don't believe it, are you going to be successful? No, right? And then what it comes down to is, is, you know, there's this step two where it's like, okay, like now I, I am in integrity and I've got this, you know, um, Jonathan Roach, who talks to us sometimes on Tuesdays, called it a system for success. And so then they start to get the system down for success. And now they've got this system for this one thing, but then this thing over here is broken. Well, now they need a system for this. And pretty soon there's this next level of enlightenment that happens. And now they've got systems for success and everything. And now it just becomes like, hey, can, can I scale this? And like, then it's a delegation issue because now, you know, I'm like, for instance, I'm no longer doing a lot of the things that I did to make me successful. I'm not cold calling anymore, for example. Well, then a piece of my self-worth starts to erode because for so many years, I've attached my value to the amount of phone calls that I make. And when I'm not making those phone calls anymore, well, now I feel like I'm not doing my job. And so now I'm starting to have like self-worth issues because I need to rewire what my job is now. Now my job is to like empower these people and it's not telling them what to do and delegating something that I don't like to do. That's, that's kind of like the, in my opinion, that's the wrong mindset. It's really trying to grow these people and, and, and get them on a path where they also can start the same place where Mark started and they can grow and get to this place. And now you're 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 teaching fish feet, huh? You're teaching people to fish. And so, you know, it's a tricky question, but almost everyone that like comes to me wants to know, like, hey, how do I get there? Where wherever the there is. And then as you peel back the layers uh, of the onion, they start to realize that there is kind of fictitious. Like you never get there and you're never happy because if you you made this amount of money or you accomplished this thing it doesn't bring more happiness and so it starts to evolve like that's how it starts but then our relationship starts to become much much bigger and now the relationships that i have are really me just feeling that i'm working alongside a friend that i admire you know i'm working yeah. alongside kevin Briarton, and we're helping each other be better husbands and fathers and leaders and and originators and partners to our realtors, right? And that's like where a lot of fulfillment comes from. It's when yeah. you know you just really feel like, okay, man, there's a lot of people and we care about each other and we've got this good, you know, momentum going. And so it's it's kind of an evolution, but that's the number one question I get. Yeah. Yeah. I wish there was a just a magic little blueprint. But the thing is, is there is a blueprint, but it's different stages. When you're at one stage, you're going to do this blueprint. If you're at this stage, you're going to do this blueprint. And sometimes you have to go back to the blueprint before because of the market or whatever happens. You know, sometimes we get away from certain things and that's okay. Um, but realizing there's no specific blueprint, I think one comment 
theme that I have heard though of doing these interviews now for a while is action. You know, fig you got to figure out why you want it, what you want, what you want and why you want it. Then you got to take action. We'll go over in that another episode. I'm going to go deep in into kind of understanding the why, but um, that's a whole episode right there and kind of how to do that. But I want to know like if there was in your world, if there was a magic wand you can shake and have three things that would be changed, what would you change? What are the three things you'd change if you could just wave a magic wand? One is that people would implement the advice um, or what what we mutually decided on was going to be good, including myself, like that I'd spent a lot more time just implementing and doing than looking for um, not necessarily a shiny object because I don't think that I do that, but I do take care of the urgent things kind of more than the, the, than the basic X's and O's, right? So for me personally, if I could wave a wand, it would be like, hey, I'm taking care of my executable foundation stuff. Because I think if you, and, and this is like maybe wish number two, a great business is not sexy. It's a grind, right? And so I think if I could wave a wand, that would be the thing I would change. Like, you know, simple, free, caring phone calls is the number one business builder for me, you know, calling someone and saying, hey, thank you so much. Like this relationship really means a lot to me and I'm going to take great care of you and your family and, and converting that phone call into helping them, you know, leverage whatever the next move is that genuine care, not the phone call, but people can feel it through the phone that I actually care about them. That's, that is what moves the needle, right? Not my CRM, not can I scale into, um, you know, artificial intelligence to reach more people, not my social media that, you know, I'm making a million videos and putting it out there. Like those things are important. I think you do have to be visible, but they come after the things that are actually working and have gotten you, you know, you know, to this point. And then lastly, you know, my wish number three would be that every mortgage loan officer, every company got the same pay, like in a perfect world, like if, if pay was equal, because I believe that the value that we give um, would crush everyone, right? And it would, people would, would, would just speak like the very best professional um, and it would just even the playing field. And then I think people could see very easily what I see um, and, and know the value of great advice because it would take that out of the equation, you know, in a way, I hope that doesn't happen, but, but anyway, I, I wish it would because it would be like the ultimate uh, equalizer where well, I think though, there's a fine, there's a balance to that. Right. So I think one of your mentors, I heard this through somebody, so um, I might butcher this, but I think the you'll get the idea. So you build two bridges. One bridge is this shaky little thing you might fall off of. It has no handrails. It's crossing this ravine. And this other one's a three-lane highway that you, you're never going to fall off. It's a super sturdy road that goes right across. Which would you rather take? Well, it all depends. With If this shaky one costs you the same amount of money, well, you're probably going to take the three-lane highway. But if the shaky one costs you a dollar and the other one costs you $10,000, probably like, oh, maybe I'll take my chances, spend a dollar and take the shaky, you know, little bridge, rope bridge. 
I think that there's a balancing act to it. I think that if you you charge so much that you're such a premium, then that becomes a problem. I think there's a fine balance of figuring out what's the right amount to charge compared to what the offer offer and the service they provide and they get. So I think that we've I've been in the business 19 years. And so what I saw the broker world where it was the Wild West, then the government tightened up everything in 2009-10 with Dodd-Frank. That was a great thing because I was actually in a call center at the time where people I saw salespeople being super shady about how they were pricing stuff and what they were doing to make more money or less money. And it was real time because I had hundreds of people around me and I literally can hear them. And I saw what they were doing firsthand. Then I saw the flip side of that where they simplified everything. They said, nope, we're not going to pay you differently on you know, different amounts that you charge, everything's going to be kind of standardized. Then it kind of flipped back where the professional had very little say in whatever they were doing. It was just like, everything was socialized. Everything was just like plain vanilla, just sell what you have, but you can't really plan anything, maybe a little bit here and there. Um, But I think that it's a challenging thing to say that everybody should have the same thing because it's not always the same. Like, so you might be wanting to live out of your, or your work out of your basement and it'd be a one man band and you do X amount, whether it's your realtor, let's say a realtor or a realtor team or lender. And then if you have a team, like a real realtor is a good example because I have some great realtor partners that will run a team and they are worth every cent of their commission. They should get 3%, sometimes more because they're going to bring value. They're going to give service. They're going to sell that property faster, bring a higher price, all the things you want to do. They're going to help that client in ways they didn't even know that they needed help. Then you take another flip side of that and you see sometimes whether it's a lender or or a realtor that's charging a bunch of money that has horrible service, that doesn't know how to price anything, doesn't know how to get anything done for the client and serve them, be their strategic partner. So I think you're onto something and just, I think that that flexibility and pay, what happens is over time, people will get out of the business because they'll starve. If they can't provide the value, the business will take care of itself and the market will take care of itself. Right now we're kind of at a cleansing and I think it'll it'll right size. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think we're making a lot of the same points. And the, the reason I wanted that is for just a total equilibrium. The guy in the basement, and the guy who's charging too much now they no longer have a competitive edge because of of fee or price that you know the consumer just knows no matter where they go it's the same and if it i wouldn't by the way i don't really want it to be that way like this is just magic wand right but if all of that were equal i think the consumer would really be able to see and feel the difference between yeah. the value that is given and i think right now it's tough for people to realize that because sometimes it's a five, 10, 20 year journey that you're helping these people make decisions. My clients make decisions, build wealth, like these little, uh, you know, the advice is so much more powerful for them than a transactional savings, but it's hard to quantify that for a consumer and no consumer wants to like overpay. And so, you know, another wish that it would get, get you to that same point is that we could quantify that to a number and and make it super simple and clear to a client like, hey, on average, Kevin, 
here is the financial benefit to you. And this has been tested times, you know, hundreds of clients over 23 years that I've been in the business. Do you want that? Yes or no. But it would, it would allow it to be a, a more empowered conversation for clients, because I think it's too hard for them to realize that on a, you know, 30 day transaction, when a lot of times the major value we're going to bring to them is over, you know, the next 10, 15 years, um, you know, of their life. And I just wish there was a more simple, clear way for us to really transfer that thing that we know to something that client can take well, and, and I, trust. I think the best way to do that is, is through um, your referral base, right? Because there's no way anybody's ever going to know that on the first conversation or the second conversation or the third conversation. You can tell them everything. You can send them as much, you know, material or videos or everything else. But the reality is, it's just not going to know. Like I just helped somebody with their third loan and she's like, oh my gosh, Kevin, you're amazing. Thank you so much. It was only a little 50,000 oral, you know, loan, but it was all good. Like they're so appreciative. She's amazing, like amazing client, right? But she's seen what we've done, what we've done over and over and over and over and always being there. And so I think sometimes they just need to have clients need to have a little bit more staying power to go, okay, let's, let's see this through. And as it kind of comes together, they see it on the flip side of that. If they're working, I've seen a couple of clients recently where they don't uphold what they're saying. So one of the things around excuses is you have to be a no excuse pro for your clients. So I believe that you can't just, you know, say something and then not follow through with it. It is extremely important. One of the things that I would, the foundation of what my business started on was under commit, over deliver, under commit, over deliver, foundation of it. And I was taught by one of my sales managers is, you know why you call somebody back in two hours? No, know why. Because you told them you would. We would always tell them, hey, we'll call you back in about two to three hours. And then the training was, hey, why did you, you know, why do you, why do we say that? And we're like, nobody ever, like, I don't know. But it was like, because you told them you would, you're building trust, you call them back. And so I get a lot of times, oh, wow, you're really punctual. You called me right at five o'clock. Our meeting was right at five o'clock. I'm like, well, yeah, that's how you start building trust. So when you're talking about how do you show that that to, from the beginning, it's all the little things. Having that process, following through with what you said, doing those things starts building out that trust. Now, you have situations where people don't uh, close on a house, right? So let's say, let's say the decision's made, the roof's questionable, and they decide to back out. As a professional, as a realtor, lender, some, as a salesperson, you can, be, you can get mad at the situation like, oh, I did everything. I spent so much time on this. It's not about you. It's about them. It's about the client, not us. Like we're Absolutely. here to come alongside them and help them with it. So when we go, well, why aren't they seeing the value? Well, because maybe we just haven't demonstrated it. So I think it's through past clients, through referrals, through reviews, and then through those each process, it builds on itself. And then bam, they're like, wow. And then the reality is not everybody's going to be a client for life. Some people don't care about service. They don't care about anything other than, I don't care. Just give me the cheapest price. I don't even, it doesn't even matter if it closes on time, just whatever. And those just, those are going to be about 25% of the clients out there. And that's yeah, fine. And those just aren't your clients, right? <clears throat> exactly. Even if you're the lowest price, they want a lower price. So it's, it's okay. But I want to, I want to, switch this around a couple of things. Like, I think there's some stuff that I want to go over for your resources and services 
Um, so tell me a little bit about your resources and services that you provide that really changes the experience for customers. Sure. You know, one you already already hit on. We have a really executable system for success around everything. You know, like when that appraisal comes in low, we have a, a very dialed in system of what we do every single time that happens. And, you know, it by having those systems in place, my realtor partners never have to deal with a, a, a low appraisal, right? I'm talking to the listing agent. I'm talking to the appraiser. I'm talking to the client. Like I'm running that whole game and, and it's great. Like, you know, my most 99% of my, my realtor partners love that because I already have a plan of, you know, I've talked about it in, in front of time, but it also just builds trust, like you said, you know, and, and that's what makes us, um, you know, build that trust, have a lot of confidence, get a lot of repeat business and, and just edify um, whoever has been kind enough to, you know, refer our services. And so, you know, that's one thing. Also, you know, our dedicated client success manager, um, you know, each of our clients gets a dedicated client concierge that follows them for the next 30 years, you know, make sure that that servicing transferred. Okay. Make sure that the supplemental taxes are getting paid if you're in the state of California and, um, you know, walk you through any of those things that, you know, um, most lenders just, just don't take the time to do, or they send you to, a you know, a 1-800 number of call center that's not based here in the United States or, or, or something like that, which is just really, it's a frustrating experience. Um, and so we love having a real human being that you can talk to long after the loan closes, um, you know, that will constantly help us make sure on top of the technology that you're always in the best loan product. I love that. Um, you know, I just, I love that as a consumer. I want to talk to a person. Like if I have an issue with anything and I have to get on, it's like representative, 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 you know, I just want to talk to a person. And so I feel like, you know, if I like that as a consumer, there's probably my clients like that too. And so um, I, I love those as, as a resource. That's great. You know, and the client success manager, is a huge uh, piece of the puzzle. So appreciate you bringing that up. I think that's a great resource and something to focus on. What, um, tell me a time when you think a customer, you would consider a customer to be a hero in the story and why? Yeah, um, you know, I had a, um, I had a client who um, was the wife of a, uh, a breadwinner um, and he was getting like early onset Alzheimer's and they lived in the Bay area. They had young kids, um, and they were going to relocate down here to San Diego. And she, um, you know, was, was on the phone, you know, the whole family was on the phone and we were trying to work out exactly how they were going to make this move and how she was going to ensure that both her husband and her son um, we're going to be honored in the move and that their family could um, sustain. And through that move, she had to be the person that kind of coordinated all of those things. Um, and I just had so much respect for her and so much empathy for the situation because he was very aware of what was going on. He was instrumental in get it, getting everything done. But they also knew that it may it might not always be that way, um, and so she really had to take charge and get that done. I know that it was uncomfortable for her, and they successfully made um, you know the transfer, and 
And we had a squirrely seller. We had a lot of, of nuanced um, things that happen. And she was just really amazing in that. And I think it gave her a lot of confidence um, to be able to navigate, you know, that, that process. And she was just showing a, a tremendous amount of empathy for her husband and a, and a tremendous amount of courage and bravery to step up and start making decisions that she knew that she would likely have to make, you know, in, in the future. And, um, it was just a, a great transaction and, and one where I really thought that, you know, while other people might not see it because I'm talking to borrowers all the time who are making really scary financial decisions, just knowing that that wasn't her strong suit and seeing her determination, um, and her why be the reason that she stepped up to the plate and and just navigated through it so gracefully um, was really just a, a, a you know a left an impact on me and I had a lot of um, I, I just thought she was a hero in that situation. That's awesome, man. That's it's really like their story, and we're not we're just part of their story. You know, I think that's something that's important to re always remember. It's not about us; it's about them, and how do we help them? have a successful story and be the hero in their story for their family. You know, we're, whether you're a realtor or lender, we're dealing with people's, you know, money, their family and the way they, where they live. And it's just, it's, those are three very big emotional pieces in their life and anybody's life. And so I think your story just shows that. And um, thanks for sharing. I really appreciate that. I think that's, I think that's awesome. And so what, like, what do you think, why do you think people fail in our business? Real, let's focus kind of on, you know, why do you think realtors fail? Man, um, you know, again, I think it's not taking action in the basic fundamentals and having wherewithal. Mm -hmm. um, people always expect that it's going to happen, you know, pretty quick. They see something, they, you know, my uh, interpretation is that a lot of people say, oh, I can do that. Um, and like, you know, that, that's, that, you know, no problem. And then they get out and they see that a lot of the basics of the job are really uncomfortable, you know, for a realtor going out and knocking on doors and introducing to the realtors. Like, I don't like it. If you come and knock on my door and solicit me in my house, you know that I don't like it, but if you've got the bravery to come up and knock on my door, I'm either going to be mean to you, to your face, which I, I probably wouldn't do or I'm gonna entertain a very quick conversation. And, and so I think people, one, they need to have wherewithal. You need to have a year's worth of you know income to support you to get out there and get the, the, the business up and going. Um, and so if you're younger and you've got you know mom and dad to help you out, like there's a much higher chance because you can you know, you can slowly build up, but if you're changing careers, you know, from one profession coming into this one, you have to hit those basic fundamentals that are not sexy. You got to call, you got to network, you got to like, it's, it's sales. It's bringing in business more than selling a house or driving around buyers. It's how much business can you bring in? Because especially when you don't have a lot of experience, you have to outwork the experienced people who have a really big name. And so I think it's that wherewithal, and I think it's just doing those basic fundamentals and not having excuses, just execute, 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 you know, you're, you're going you, to the networking meeting. You know what I see a lot, and I don't know if you've seen this too, but I see like so much negative connotation around sales, you know, and especially like what I see a lot of times, real, a lot of realtors are part-time. 
I have a lot of amazing realtor partners. They do an awesome job. It's a it's an easy one to go part time because you could do a couple deals a year, make some extra money, help your friends and family, maybe a few extra people. What I find talking to a lot of realtors is that, well, I don't want to be too pushy or I don't want to, I don't care about the numbers. I just want to help people. Well, you're not just here for charity. Like, why do you think that is? Why do people kind of allude to like being a little uh, fearful of talking about that they're in sales and, and understanding that that's okay. And we're serving people through the sales we're doing. Because they haven't taken the time to really have a why that's strong enough that drives them and they're not in integrity, right? If I went and I knocked on yours and Michelle's door and asked you about a mortgage, I would be out of integrity. But if I called you and I said, hey, Kevin, you know what? I'm concerned about you and Michelle. I, I, I just want you to know that in the last six weeks, interest rates have dropped a point and a half uh, you know, percent. And I believe that if this continues, we're probably gonna see a premium on how on prices because people are gonna jump into the market. And I know that we're friends. I just want you to know this is going on. Like if you and Michelle have been thinking about selling, like you might wanna like ramp that up with your realtor because there could be a premium here as these rates come in and everybody jumps in. Now, all of a sudden there's not enough supply. There's a lot of demand. This could be a great spot to sell if you guys are thinking about it. On the other side, if you've thought about buying it all, like I want you to get in now because if this happens for the same reason I told you it's going to be a good time to sell, like I want you to get in before this happens. Like if, if you're if you're at the restaurant and a party of 60 walked in, do you want to put your food order in before that or after that? Like that's, you know, and we saw what happened during COVID. And so I just want to make sure that I'm getting your back. I know that you guys rely on me a lot for my expertise in real estate. It doesn't matter to me if you do something or don't, but I wouldn't forgive myself if you didn't take action on this. Do you have any questions around it? Can I help you navigate this? Now, if I said that, there's no way that you could tell me that I wasn't in integrity and I didn't actually care about you and Michelle. That's me being pushy and being a salesperson, but I'm in integrity. If I went and knocked on your door, I'm not in integrity, right? And so different things work for different people. And I think they they come to people and they say, Kevin, tell me how to be successful. And you're like, well, go knock on doors and make cold calls. And like, that's what we did, right? That's what we did when we were first getting into the business. And like, it wasn't good, but now we've realized, hey, Here's how I can be in integrity. Well, I don't know how to do that. Like, how do I talk to people I don't know? Well, again, well, let's figure out how you can be in integrity and do that. You know, like maybe we're sponsoring a happy hour and you're going to get up there and say, hey, I'm concerned. This is what I'm, you know, same script. That's really what's going on for me, right? And so I think people are looking for answers for, for someone else and they're avoiding the uncomfortable work. And first of all, you're definitely going to have to get uncomfortable and Two, you've got to do that over and over and over and over again. I'm 23 years in the business, and by everyone's viewpoint, I'm sure they'd say that I'm successful in the mortgage business, right? I have to get uncomfortable every single day. I have to push and push and push to do the things that I'm doing. And it gets more comfortable, certainly, as, as you go along, because now I have you know this giant network of people that I've built over 20 years, and I can call on that network and and dial into that network. But still, if you're a past client of mine, I'm happy to call you and have that conversation with you. And I'm going to catch you at a bad time, right? And you're going to be like, hey, Mark, I can't talk right now. 
click. And when you do that, I'm like, dang, Kevin, I was too pushy with Kevin. And on the next call, because I've got that little feed of insecurity, which may not have even been that way, you know, it's, it's going to affect me. And I think the more you can stop telling those stories to yourself and more that you can live out of your integrity, which is like my why right now is that I really want Kevin and Michelle to know that I'm concerned about what's going in the market. And if you find out six months from now and you sold your house right now before this, this thing hit that I think is going to hit and I didn't have that conversation with you, I feel bad and you feel bad. <laughs> Right. But if I told you about it and you waited and it happened or didn't happen, at least I feel better that you and Michelle are making an empowered decision and that I did my job to take care of my clients. That's that's my job to do. And so I think there's a negative connotation because we as consumers don't like to be sold. We feel like somebody's calling us and selling us. It's not a good call. But if I call and have that conversation out of a genuine concern to just say, hey, Kevin, this this may not be for you. But I just have to tell you about this because I want to make sure that I've got your back. Well, you're not going to feel sold. And I'm also selling you, right? So let's not pretend that, that, I, that I'm, I'm not also hoping to find people who need my services. I certainly am. But I'm not going to do it from a place of, of gain for myself. I'm going to do it out of a, a place of serving other people. And by the way, doing it out of gain for yourself is fine. If that's your, if that's your, if you're an integrity doing that, you're probably going to be more successful than me because you're just going to, well, you know, be crazy. So this is kind of hitting, there's two things I'm thinking about. One is if you have a genuine, I've been in the business a long time and sometimes you, it mix it. You, when you mix friendships or, you know, just being yourself out in the community <laughs> into the business, sometimes it's hard. And so I've kind of taken a stance that, I'm either going to be all in, like trying to develop a business relationship, or I'm just going to be friends. Like, I'm not going to ask you for business. I'm not going to, like, we're just going to be friends. That's it. I'm never even going to bring it up. I might talk about more work in a general sense, but, um, but to your integrity point, like if you're in the game, so like, I didn't just bump into you at a, a party and then go, what do you do for work? In hoping that you asked me what I do, like, that's a strategy. Like, what do you do for work, Mark? Oh, I do this. Oh, cool. I'm in mortgage, you know? And like, I think that sometimes feels out of integrity, even though it's a good way to break the ice and talk about it. Um, I've struggled with that over the years. Now, to, on the flip side of that, if you think about marketing and sales, do you get upset when a McDonald's commercial comes on or you see a McDonald's billboard? Nobody gets upset, right? They're trying to sell burgers. Of course, they're trying to sell burgers. So why do we as salespeople feel this weirdness of like, yeah, I want to sell, I want to help people with mortgages. That's, a, that's what we do. You know, it's, it's okay. We have provided a great service. So it's something, there's no answer to that, but it's like, you know, why is that? I thought about the other day, I'm, you know, driving around and seeing these billboards and seeing this stuff. And it's like, these companies do it all the time. We see Walmart commercials, this and that, but you don't get mad. You're just like, oh, whatever. It's a commercial. But when it's us and like our names attached to it, there's some emotional thing that goes on. That's, that's just different. I feel like, does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. I, and I think it, you know, you make a, a really good point and I think it is a good place to like reframe and, and, and think about it because again, you know, just thinking about the scenario where you bump into someone, like, I think it's good to have a system for success 
when you bump into someone and you want to create a conversation around business and to try over and over and over again and to be uncomfortable in that moment. And at the same time, like, are you going to be friends with this person right away and forever and, and want to have real good care about them? No. Like, are you going to switch business cards and, and have a system for success and get that person into your mousetrap every time? No. But I think if you've got something that you can be in integrity on every single time, hey, this is what I go to. Hey, Kevin, it's great bumping into you, you here, man. I love to just get to know people. Um, do you mind if I just ask you a few things? I'd love to know, you know, first about your family. Are you from Arizona? Are you from around here? And like, where's your immediate family? I'd love to just ask people where they're from, yeah. right? And 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 you you get started and you see if there's a fit there. And sometimes like just knock it out right then. But if not, like, cool, what do you do for a living? And what I do when they tell me what they do for a living is what is a great client for you? Because I just told you, I love to network. I've got this giant network. If you tell me a great client for you as a builder, I would immediately say, hey, you know what? I know a builder that's building a complex in, in Arizona right now. And I know that they have a lender. I, I know who the lender is too, but maybe I could make this introduction and, and both of them and we could go get drinks in, in case there's ever an opportunity. You could just be this outside person. I When I do that, and, and I do that with people I just meet, maybe not to that level of an introduction, you know, um, but when I do that and I give, if you just do that over and over and over, the world's going to give back to you like reciprocity works. Right. And so I, I think it's, again, you have to find, you have to make your mind up and have your why and find ways that work for you. Like, cause I would, I'm a social butterfly. I love those situations, you know, but I'm not just going to pass business back and forth. And if it's going to be cold, I'm out. Like I'm going to the next person. That's not my person, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Mark, what it, what do you want on your resume in the next two years, two to three years? What do you want on your resume? Man, um, I think my I think my resume is fine, man. But I, I would love it if uh, if people told me that I had agency in their success. Um, you know, I think that's the thing. Like, if I can positively impact lives over the next two years. Um, inside and outside of the mortgage business, I would feel good about myself and, and, you know, what I've done and what, what I've accomplished. Um, if I'm helping other people, um, you know, just get more richness out of life. So how would they do that? Like, what have you thought about, like, what's the format of them doing that? And how does that look? No, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, you know, I just, I just want to, um, you know, be invested in people's life and, and, and try to help people. And, um, you know, it's, it, it looks like a lot of like the, the letters and stuff that you see back there, you know, I, I collect them all year long and, and I put them on my, my shelf. And then on January 1st, I put them all away and hope that I get more thank you notes and cards, you know, the next year. So that's the format that I'm, I'm measuring right now. Um, but I, I, um, I, you know, I more think of it, Kevin, honestly, as like, you know, if I were to pass away right now and my mom and dad and my wife and my kids were standing by my funeral, what would people say? Who would be there? You know, and, and that really like, 
what I mean uh, by that. Not not that I want to solicit thank you cards from everyone, but um, that I want to live a life where I know that I've I've helped other people live better lives. Well, I, I recently had a realtor partner that was really close to me, talked to her probably more than my mom for like nine years. Um, just amazing person. His name is Terry Wagner. She was amazing. So she, we like legitimately talked multiple times a week. Um, uh, we helped her in some tough, uh, mortgage situations. We helped her with clients. We had a number of things we helped with, but we, we went both ways. And, um, and she recently passed away from cancer oh, after battling breast cancer for a long time. And, but luckily she had an awesome life or a beautiful life. And then at the end of it, she actually met somebody through her church that was just a great person for her. And she actually got married and then had a, you know, had a really wonderful year um, traveling and just doing some really cool stuff. She's always wanted to do and she, with somebody. Um, and, you know, I was sitting at her funeral, just looking around on how many, and I know I, how I, how she made me feel, you know, just, just, she's just amazing person and looking around at her funeral going, thinking about what you just said, you know, am I going to be somewhere? Am I going to be a person that's going to make an impact or am I going to just sit back and go, man, I should have done that. And this is one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast is because I believe People need breakthroughs and people need to have somebody pushing, you know, giving them a little win at their back to go, no, you could do this. No, it's okay. You got this. Let's break through, you know, and I think about her and she, you know, they were, somebody was up there talking about, well, even when she was getting transfusions and or getting chemo and she, she'd be taking a client call and it wasn't about the commission for her. Like it truly was about serving. And I know because we helped some clients that, it was just help about observing. And it was, she was a really good um, person in my life that helped me kind of see with the bigger picture. And it was like, we can lock arms and we helped just. And so it, when you talk about that, it is something to think about as a professional, as a father, as a, a wife, you need to think about what you're going to, what your story is going to be at the end. What's your legacy? What are they going to say? Like, Oh, Kevin worked late again, you know, well, that's not what I want. Kevin worked really hard and, you know, provided for his family, but, you know, he wasn't around for it. Like, that's not yeah. what I want. You know, one of the things that was so cool was my son and I took a road trip over the summertime and I built my business where I want to be able to have excellent service, my clients and my partners. But when I'm off, I want to be off. Like, and that's very difficult for a lot of salespeople, but yeah. I have intentionally built this to where I'm off, but everything keeps going. So I took my son to a on a road trip to um, Yellowstone. We had unbelievable time. And I was actually just in a parent teacher conference recently. And the teacher reminded me, she's like, you know, like when he, when he came back from summer, like that's all he talked about and how amazing it was and just the memory. And I was just looking at a little thing he wrote out and he, he talked about the trip to uh, Utah and do it uh, just like, that's what we want to do, right? How do we keep, how do we make these moments memorable? And um, I heard it, I heard of this in church actually uh, a couple weeks ago, but it's sometimes like we don't realize that those are memorable moments until after the fact. Obviously it's a memory, but it's, but it's like, how do we create them? But sometimes they're going to be more impactful or not, but we have to keep trying to make these moments 
impactful, whether it's talking to a client, I don't need to just talk to somebody and get off the phone and on the phone. It's about actually having a quality conversation, quality meeting, quality dinner, you know, whether you're um, with your kids, put your phone down, all that normal stuff everybody says, but it's true. Like you really need to be intentional about it. I am about as a no excuse pro, I'm all about working really hard. I don't, I do believe that there's too much about life balance and work balance. That's baloney. Okay. Um, I don't believe it is true. I think sometimes you got to work a lot and then sometimes you take time off and you can't say every day, I'm going to be out here at four. Well, that doesn't work because maybe a client needs to call at seven. Okay. Well, last night I skipped out, went to a school, uh, school uh, art project that my daughter did. And then I made a call at 730 uh, to a client that needed my help, right? It's about having no excuse around how, whatever it takes to get it done, but it has to be in your vision, you know, and, and taking the time to stop to do those trips are extremely important. So when somebody talks about you at your funeral, like, there's awesome stories that just stack up and stack up and stack up. Like that just are amazing. And I, I just, it just resonates with me. So, uh, um, you know, when you see the end, uh, for somebody and, uh, you know, it's, it definitely puts it in your face to go, okay, what am I doing? But I also think that doesn't mean we stop hustling either, you know, because uh -huh. there's something about progress, something about producing something that fills me up. And so we can't just think, well, oh, I just need to take the day off and go sit in the sun. You know, that's, it's not about that either. It's about feeling fulfilled, doing something, providing, providing a great service. That's what it is about. And if anybody's struggling with, you know, sometimes mental illness or uh, depression, a lot of times it's about just serving, stop what you're doing, get out of your own way, stop focusing on yourself and just serve other people. Love it, man. Love it. Love it. Well, I really appreciate okay, your time. You're, you're, uh, you are an example of a no excuse pro keep up the good work. I appreciate you. I got to get a, a thank you card out to you here soon. Apparently <laughs> See, I just fish for that. Like in, uh, <laughs> you should just, yeah, just at every conversation, you know what? Uh, I really, you know, really one, thing like that, thank you cards. One, one thing I love a five-star review, but <laughs> my address, if you want to send me a thank you card, that even means more. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, hey, appreciate, appreciate it. If anybody's listening, thanks for listening to the end. I appreciate your time. Make sure you subscribe, share this content, share this uh, podcast. We appreciate you. And uh, we'll catch you on the next No Excuse Pro podcast. Thanks for watching. Cheers. And there you have it, folks. Another enlightening episode of the No Excuse Pro podcast is in the books. A heartfelt thank you to today's guests for sharing their wisdom and to you, our valued listeners, for spending your time with us. If you're ready to ditch the excuses and level up, make sure to subscribe and find all our episodes at noexcusepropodcast.com. Don't forget, the only thing standing between you and your goals is the story you tell yourself. So no excuses accepted here. Take action and make it happen.